everyone you are listening to chaos on the set a movie review podcast um my name is kate i'm back after a little two like two week hiatus with shruti and mike your regular co-hosts and um i'm forcing well i forced shruti and mike to watch my favorite movie of all time paddington 2 <laughs> guys how stoked were you when i texted you guys insisting that we watch this movie <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I think because it's I, I wouldn't call Paddington to a Christmas movie, but the, it's the time of year where you want to watch the things that make your heart uh, warm and your eyes tear up. And Paddington 2 is the perfect mood for that. So I thought it like complemented the season perfectly. So yeah. I had never seen Paddington nor Paddington 2 prior to this past week. Um, however, I always knew Paddington 2 as being famous for for like that perfect movie that had the yeah. 100% score on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. uh, and surpassed Citizen Kane, right? And then so they they drum they drummed up a a bad review, right, to knock it down to like I 99%. I Just this past year, I yeah, it became cr- no longer a perfect movie. Guys, I literally cried when I heard the news. Oh my god. Okay, that, like, that I might teared be a bit, that might be a bit dramatic. <laughs> no, this movie is perfect in every way. Uh, I love it. It's great. It's not I perfect. Think, I think that Rotten Tomatoes in general is also not a perfect scoring system, so we don't really need to cry when <laughs> no, movies no go down. However, I will say that the Twitter discourse, the when Paddington 2 no longer became the most perfect movie because of that one bad review, was hilarious. And oh I enjoyed that moment in time just for that. <laughs> and you guys know why there's also this movie also is very meaningful to me. Is just because in general, your dad is a Paddington. Bear. My dad is. Truth, you weren't supposed to tell anyone. <laughs> what the? F- okay, um, well, I am obsessed with the good old jolly city of London, England. I studied there. I lived there for a while. Um, and yeah, and like, what's nothing's more enjoyable than like a very well-mannered British bear wearing a hat, <laughs> traversing around a city that I dearly love. And so watching this movie, first of all, I think the movie is just perfect plot-wise, character-wise, comedy-wise. I love it. But then, like, oh my gosh, look at Paddington. He's window-washing the shard. That's so cool, you know? So I think it is a very sweet like I love this yeah. movie, and I'm not. Listen, I don't want to. I don't want to get the Paddington heads to like come take me down or anything. Because I'm yeah, not saying I'll be in charge of that too. So it's watch not out. bad at all. Like I'm not. They're not saying it's a flawed movie or it's not good. I just the the perfection in which I was told it was going into it. <laughs> it was a little bizarre for me to be like, no, that was a good movie. I, I don't know if it was the most perfect movie of all time. And it's not just that, but I don't think everyone is like, Paddington is great, but Paddington 2 is the most amazing movie of all time. And I don't think it's that many eons ahead of Paddington, Paddington it, 2. Exactly. I, I agree 100%. Watching them in quick succession, I, I think I took a day apart between both films. Um, I, I don't think there's there's truly much separating them i i think the biggest difference right is paddington the original has that sort of novelty as being like the first time you're introduced to this character and it's about like getting to know him right and you see him working his way in with the family and then like once you get past that right and there's like that whole mistrust thing and then when you get to the second one when they begin to see the sows or sow the seeds of mistrust again 
the family believes him this time around because they're like, oh, that's Paddington. He wouldn't steal. Um, and I think it takes them <laughs> wouldn't. and it takes them on a slightly more fun like plot course. But I think like all in all characters, storyline, jokes, what have you, good old times and, and fun and cute bears and whatever. I, I think it's it's pretty similar between both films, in my opinion. I just like I think the reason I'm so gung ho on it is when I watch the movie, I'm like, this is so perfectly executed. Like there's there's no like glaring thing in the plot or in like the character arcs that's wrong. Like everything like I guess coming from a screenwriting standpoint, I just think it's such just like a, like, it doesn't really take risks or anything, I guess, which you could say like, okay, how can it be like so critically acclaimed if it's not really like taking risks or doing anything outside the box? But I just find it so satisfying because it's, it's just such a tightly woven plot. I like everything that you want to happen happens. Like and it's like that, a guilty pleasure movie for me for sure. I actually so I think that the beauty of the movie comes by like literally how beautiful it looks with like the pastel mm-hmm. colors it, and the it symmetry. Is. It's very like Wes Anderson esque and yes, I was surprised yes, on Anderson. this right? I was surprised on this watch how beautiful it was. But the yeah. I actually think that's the major plus. The plot things you kinda you kind of have to like let go of mm-hmm. a lot of things like, oh, they can all just oh, get out of prison like that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So in that element I wouldn't say the plot is perfect. But again, it's the kind of movie where like if you're writing letters to an aunt in darkest Peru, you just kind of like have to believe that these things are possible in this well, universe. I, I mean, there's also the reason I like the film and also Paddington One as well is there's like Kate. sorry, Shruti. Sorry. <laughs> she hates when I call a We've movie. We've been we're seven one. minutes and fifteen seconds in and we have gotten this far without saying Paddington one. Just okay. I even just, I said uh, Paddington the original. The original. I smiled very so for people who are unfamiliar, I have a very strong distaste for when people miss title movies. For example, if you say Iron Man One, the name of the movie is just Iron Man, right? Or one time somebody called Avengers Endgame Avengers 3 and it drove me so mad because that's not even... <laughs> anyway, anyway, anyway. For the sake of this podcast, I understand it would be difficult to say Paddington and Paddington 2 because the title of character of the movie is also named Paddington. So we can say Paddington 1. Yay. Just know my inner turmoil is going to squirm a little every time we say it. But I understand that we have to communicate <laughs> in some way so we can do it for the podcast. <laughs> Um, Paddington 1 uh. is, <laughs> um, no, I just was thinking about how for the, you know, for both films, it's like introduced that there is this like kind of fantastical realism kind of feel to the movie where that's why I really like it. Again, I, I, yeah, like I love the, the colors. I love the cinematography. I love that you like don't quite know what time period it is. I mean, I think we know it's modern day, but they just, like, they introduced just so many, like, 1800 Victorian-esque-ish, like, aesthetics to the movie. So it kind of has this, first of all, this already, like, fantastical realism. Um, they kind of play with time periods. And then, on top of that, you kind of just have to... It's got it's it's a silly like it's a silly world they're in like they're not a review I read uh, and I apologize I can't remember 
so I, I'm not attributing the author correctly, but they basically said the movie makes you feel like you're in a pop-up book in London, which I yes. think is basically what you're trying to get at, Kate. Yeah, and um, that's why, like, because they established so early on, okay, don't take anything too seriously in this movie. I mean, like, normal there's a talking bear and, and people just go along exactly. with it. So. Exactly, exactly. So that's why, like, I'm able to just, it's so easy for me to, like, just, like, you know, oh, they only incriminated him for, or, you know, they, they sent Paddington to prison for 10 years because one witness <laughs> said they saw him running alone and didn't see anyone else. And they're like, well, Paddington, we're going to lock you up for 10 years. Like, you have to just kind of forgo all of that silliness. And I think, like, with that in mind, the, it's just such a perfect movie. <laughs> I love this movie so much. Okay, I'm going to get emotional. I need to stop talking. Well, while we're in, we since you just brought up the prison, should we get into what this movie is saying about the prison industrial complex? Absolutely. I Listen, Mike is laughing, but I genuinely think this movie is trying to do a commentary. Just like the first hey, movie had a commentary on immigration. I was the first one to bring it up via our text message. That's so. fair. So um, my we were all texting last night about what the movie says about the prison industrial complex. I did find <laughs> a article on um let's see this is a blog post on this website called new nerdy i it's new is spelled n-e-a-u-x i could not for the life of me find the author of the article or the blog post but maybe i'm just slow so i apologize if i'm again just taking somebody's words and not quoting them but basically the final paragraph of the article says ultimately paddington 2 makes an argument uh that corrections facilities should strive for more humane and positive treatment of its Prisoners, in conjunction with the enactment of rehabilitation programs that promote continuing education or the further development of one's skill set, i.e., culinary arts, then it may be help. It, that may help decrease possible. Oh, sorry. Then, then it may be possible to help decrease recidivism. Which, yeah, I don't know if it's actually making a commentary on recidivism because we don't see what happens post Paddington, but that could be in the third movie, Paddington movie. I do think yeah. it's interesting that every single criminal that breaks out of prison gets pardoned. Like, are they <laughs> all worthy three. of pardons? Paddington 3, Paddington goes back to jail. <laughs> well, I, I think something that I really enjoyed at the end was the, the post-credit scene with oh Hugh my Grant God. My God. doing the, the little best. musical number. And I actually think that would be a, a really fun spinoff of pa- in the Paddington verse. Right, with just to give Hugh Grant his own movie musical, because I really got like vibe, like producer vibes from it. You know, the producers, um, yeah, Springtime for Hitler. Like that was the vibes I got from from that number, and I feel like they could make a whole musical about the the prison industrial complex that I think would actually be quite compelling. Um, yeah, and even Hugh Grant is, like, doing so much better. In pr- I was going to say that. He's literally thriving in prison <laughs> because he has this, like, support group suddenly that, like, wants to see his one-man show. And they're, like, it, I don't know. I thought that was – you ha- imagine my awe. Okay, I saw Paddington 2 in theaters in, like, 2018. Oh, gee, you know? Imagine <laughs> my awe when, like, after literally crying my eyes out at the end of that film – it then goes into this post-credit scene of Hugh Grant just, like, giving this, am- like, amazing production. <laughs> it, like, it was so stunning. That was, like, I think visually the most, like, stunning thing they did in the film, or one of them, too. Was <laughs> he just, has like, a blast in this movie. Oh, my God, he does. And 
the discourse after this movie came out where they were like, where's Hugh Grant's Oscar nomination for well, Paddington 2? Here's the, I, I knew he, so he got nominated for a BAFTA, the British film. Yeah. I don't remember. British Academy Film Television BAFTA. Awards. Yep. Um, and he also won the London's Film Critics Circle Award for Supporting Actor. And then the other two awards that he won, he was nominated for a ton, which well-deserving but he also won the utah film critics award and the san diego film critics society award so london utah and san diego are the only three places that actually saw how great hugh grant was like and here's the thing i'm just so in awe by that that um a like usually like you know an actor who's known to do like pretty critically acclaimed films then pivots into this just this children's movie which you would think people would not take that seriously and then he gets nominated for a bunch of awards for it for a supporting cast role like that's so cool and i think i think like the response to paddington 2 in the film community was so cool because i don't think we've seen like the paddington's not it's not like a disney animated film which usually gets like a lot of acclaim it's it's like it's a film about a fucking talking bear and it did like <laughs> no swearing in paddington Kate. <laughs> oh my gosh i'm sorry yeah we should have made no this paddington 3 is actually going to be rated r <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why i said paddington goes back to prison in this time he doesn't care who he fucks up <laughs> he's going for he's gonna change his tune a lot of he's hard a lot like, of hard stairs in paddington he's gonna 3. have like brass knuckles no <laughs> oh he'll have brass knuckles maybe knuckles will give him brass knuckles and he'll just go on like a, he'll beat people up in prison. Knuckles is now a critically acclaimed chef that's going around making marmalade for everyone. Oh, wait, Mike, that's I true. wanted to ask you. Mike is the chef of our group. Um, yes. Yeah. So how many days could you actually eat a marmalade sandwich before you got sick of it? <laughs> I mean, let's put it. Okay. So first off, immediately upon finishing the film, I went straight to YouTube and watched Binging with Babish's <laughs> Marmalade really? Sandwich episode immediately. And I, I have plans to make some orange marmalade. Um, that being said, I ate peanut butter and jelly like every <laughs> single day throughout like all of high school. So I do think I could probably eat marmalade sandwiches for a really long time. I just is marmalade that good? Also, I think, yeah, probably for the sandwiches to be that good. The bread also needs to be amazing. Yeah. But also think about what they've been eating for like their prison days. They were eating like that gross stew that Knuckles was making because he hadn't found his passion for cooking (laughs) yet. And so like, I feel like it's I feel like if I was in prison and they were like, hey, what do you want to eat this gross prison stew every day or marmalade with bread? I'd be like, marmalade with bread, please. Okay, fair point, fair point. But like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uncle Pastuso in the beginning of the movie when he's just <laughs> yeah. like making like bread, marmalade, bread, yeah. marmalade. I'm like, how good is that? That doesn't look great. <laughs> something really small that they incorporated into the film that I loved was, you know, obviously this movie focuses, now that like Paddington has this love and established connection with the Browns, they had to focus less on them, right? Because they've already loved each other. Like they don't need to get into trust and, you know, finding a family, whatever. So I kind of like that the writers were like, we need to find something that each Brown has. We can kind of make it like a, a running shtick throughout the film. 
So I wanted to ask what you guys thought of like how it was like, oh, Mr. Brown, he was having a midlife crisis and wanted to go back to his days in the 70s where he used to like like throw balls at those yeah, class bullseye cans. Bullseye Brown. <laughs> bullseye Brown. And then um, Mary obviously like wants to swim across the English Channel. Um, J-Dog. What was it? J-Dog, J-Dog Jonathan, uh, he loves steam trains, but now he thinks they're, you know, he's the judge for them, so now he's J-Dog, and he wears, like, street clothes, I don't know, and then, um, and then Judy is like, I hate men, I'm gonna run my own newspaper, which I thought was awesome, like, well, cause go in the, Judy. In the first Paddington movie, right, Judy has a big, not a big subplot, but, like, there's a subplot about her crush on some boy, right? Yeah. So I do like how this movie is like, okay, now her subplot is not going to be about a crush on a boy. We'll give her her own thing, you know? Yeah. Because I love that. I think she broke up with that boy at the beginning of the film. So she's like, fuck you. I'm going to run a newspaper. No boys allowed. And Kate used to want to be a journalist, so it ties directly to her childhood. (laughs) No, but it was... Oh, sorry. And then it was cute how, like... All four of those things, by the end of the movie, worked their way into the plot to, like, free Paddington's name yeah. and, like, help Paddington. I, I thought that I was love, just, like, a cute touch. Yeah. Even, like, the garbage route. Uh, the guy that yeah. he's helping with the garbage route helps him. Like, yeah, I do, like, they artfully bring everything back in a very... They do. My favorite is when he, when he goes, my name is Jonathan Brown and I like steam trains. That was a good one. <laughs> I also just, we were discussing earlier... I freaking love that they gave, like, Sally Hawkins this, like, you want to swim across the English Channel kind of subplot in this movie when literally the same year Shape of Water came out. I remember sitting there being like, when does that, uh, when does that sea creature (laughs) So do you think that Shape of Water, this is touching a little bit on our multiverse segment, but do we think Paddington and Shape of Water are in the same universe, or is Sally Hawkins? So you're saying Sally Hawkins is also Mary Brown. I mean, technically, they're two different points in time, so she could be the same person, but I think they're variants of each other and they're not actually the same. You never know. Paddington 3 could be um, the dad going through a crisis because he's like, my wife left me for a sea creature. I mean, so... (laughs) Sorry to take this so seriously, but The Shape of Water takes place on in time and older past in time than Paddington 2 so what I would imagine if they're the same character is uh, spoilers for the shape of water but at the end of the shape of water fast forward 15 seconds if you don't want to hear it she like goes into the ocean right and like lives off her life with the sea creature so I would imagine that underwater she just like doesn't age so she like lives for a while with the sea creature he ends up dying and then she goes back to land finds Mr. Brown falls in love with him (laughs) and that's why she's like the same presents as the same age even though she's much older and that would also reflect on why like I feel like Sally Hawkins is so perfect in this role because she has like a softness and tenderness to her when she's like literally looking at tennis balls probably on set Um, like (laughs) We give Hugh Grant, like, a lot of credit for how great... It's Hugh Grant, right? I get Hugh Grant and Hugh Jackman mixed up. Yeah, it's Hugh Grant. <laughs> Listen, also, when Hugh Grant makes that joke, he's like, oh, I did Les Mis for two years. I know what prison is like. I'm like, <laughs> it's funny because you look like Hugh Jackman, or at least I can't tell them apart. Sorry. They're very, <laughs> very different. different wait a second. Listen, can't, I, wait, I can't I let kn- this go. I know they're different t- people. I know. I, and I to, to know. To be fair, you also thought Mr. Brown was Bill Murray. So I didn't think oh he was Bill God. Murray. I just get big Mill Murray. Okay, while we're on the circle, I'll just say it. Brad Pitt and Matt Damon. 
I know who they are. Like I know, I know they're, I know they're two different people. I know that, and like I know they look different. But when somebody says it, I just have to like close my eyes for a second and be like, (laughs) okay, like Ocean's Eleven, got it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) Um, but these white men all give off the same vibes. Listen, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, but Hugh Jackman, Hugh Grant. They're so, I know I get the names, but they're so different. And oh, they, no. That, it, it's, I, <laughs> I hope somebody comes to my aid. If you are listening to this podcast and also think they might be the same tweet as I Chaos on the set. <laughs> oh, my God. You want, you want me to bail you out? Because I have a multiverse uh, segment of my own. Okay, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't expect either of you to be familiar with this, um, but... Peter Capaldi, right, who... Yes, Doctor Who. That, well, no, that wasn't where I was going with this. But, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, Peter Capaldi plays Mr. Curry in the film, and he is curmudgeonly, and he plays a quite similar type of character um, in both a British series and movie. He plays the same character, Malcolm Tucker, I believe the movie is called In the Loop, and the show might be called uh, In the Thick of It. I've I've only Mm -hmm. seen the movie In the Loop, which is quite good. Um, But he's like, he's he's not a politician, but he works in government. He works in politics, and he's just always miserable, but he's also unbelievably foul-mouthed. So if, like you said, Kate, you want to see Paddington 3 take on a tougher exterior where there's a lot of swearing i think a malcolm tucker introduction (laughs) would be very fitting maybe paddington gets into brexit politics and oh he runs for office and there's a lot of and there's a lot of swearing going on i think would be a really interesting move for the franchise to take you know what's hilarious i've seen clips of um him in the thick of it as that character, because oh, when yeah. he got cast as Doctor Who years and years ago, people online were being like, oh, here's the guy who's going to play the next reincarnation of Doctor Who. And it's just these clips of him being like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. And everyone was like, this is going to be really fun. <laughs> so, um, Piggybacking off that, um, our actor for Knuckles McGinty, Brendan Gleeson, is also Mad-Eye Moody. Mad-Eye Moody. Do you think Mad-Eye Moody and Knuckles McGinty, Mad-Eye Moody from Harry Potter universe, would be friends? Mad-Eye Moody is an Auror, I a dark wizard so. catcher, which is basically a cop. <laughs> and I don't think so. Brendan well, Gleeson is a prisoner. So I don't think, but it's a very interesting thing that in one universe he is um, a convicted felon, or I guess now pardoned, but... I love, though, that they're both, like, I mean, they're such gruff characters. I think that's funny. I think, um, you know, uh, what's his actor's name? I'm I'm literally blanking. I'm Brendan Gleeson. Brendan Gleeson. I feel like he probably gets a little typecasted <laughs> to play these, like, big, gruff guys. He's but in, uh, what's it called, too, right? In Bruges? I think his character in Bruges would be a great friend to knuckles mcginty i think yeah. they would get along very well <laughs> um i also wrote down phoenix buchanan uh the villain played by hugh grant not hugh jackman uh would be really get along with count olaf from the series of unfortunate oh my events gosh, yeah i stole that from a podcast another podcast the bechdel cast the podcast i listen to all the time um oh. but i i 
like they both love dressing up for their schemes like if they could team up together i honestly think they could run a very organized crime ring (laughs) oh you know Um, i have to oh yeah go ahead i was gonna say you know what would be great another multiverse segment this is sort of going back to the original paddington right but in in paddington the taxi driver is matt lucas who is a Mm -hmm. host on the great british bake-off and (laughs) paddington loves marmalade and I think, I know. you know, introduce the cast of Great British Bake Off. Maybe Paddington is a contestant on the next season and he solely makes marmalade. And and that's just his specialty. I think you get Noel Felding in there. He's a comedian. He's hysterical. He could fit into the Paddington verse. I would like to see that. I think that would be a nice little off, an offshoot, Paddington Bakes. It would be actually kind of cute, too, as if, like, Actually, this could be like I I wouldn't mind if this was the plot of Paddington three, but something along those lines where he gets Paddington gets like famous in the UK for something like cook like baking mar cooking, baking, making marmalade. I don't know which it is, and what if like Paddington becomes like a super celebrity, and then he's just like, hey guys, like I'm I'm the shit, right? And then. The Browns have to be like, oh my gosh, we have like this diva living in our house now. Like, you know. Well, okay, so becoming a celebrity makes me think of Ted from the Ted movies. Yes, that that's what, that's, yes. I mean, Ted yeah. is very explicit, but I would love to see a movie where like Paddington gets Ted to like, I don't know. Oh my God. Settle down. And <laughs> not, not as a couple. I'm not saying they're going to get together, but. Oh, that would be. <laughs> I think Ted is too old. I think Paddington is like. A child, right? In Paddington to me is like this. Took I think such Paddington a turn. is. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't want Ted to like. I would Paddington. not be Let's surprised not if that. there's already Ted Paddington fan fiction out there. Stop! Do you want to look it up right now? <laughs> Listen, fan fiction does not need to be sexual. They could just be hanging out like. That. Wait, this is how did we get on this topic of conversation? I mean. I don't know, but can we change it? They're both animated bears. All right. What villain do you want to see in Paddington 3? What British actor? I'm changing the subject for Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I I wrote down, and I know this is going to sound, especially for when this is going to come out, a little biased, but Tom Holland as the new Paddington villain. Especially, I love that man. I And I want to see Tom Holland play a villain, although seeing Tom Holland play any actor, character that isn't Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Hasn't done him great in the past couple of years, so who knows? He might throw Paddington 3 down the toilet, but I would love to see that. On that route, in the Marvel vein, I would also love to see Tom Hiddleston, because who wouldn't want to see Tom Hiddleston? And then also, Mm, I want to see Daniel Kaluuya, because I've never seen Daniel Kaluuya act with his British accent to the point where I always forget that he's not American. So I would love to see him actually, you know, speak not with an American accent in a movie. And I think he's a scary villain. If you've seen Widows, you know Daniel Kaluuya can play a villain well. And I would love to see him in Paddington 3. All right. For mine, because I'm going down this weird, like, vein of I want Paddington 3 to be, like, fucking crazy, um, (laughs) I 
would want Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> to be the villain, but not just any Daniel Radcliffe. I want it to be that Daniel Radcliffe from when he was in Guns Akimbo. Remember that? And there's that picture of him in his bathrobe with those slippers on, holding the two guns in the street and looking psycho. Do you know what I'm talking yes. about? I have no idea what I've, you're talking about. I've, I've never <laughs> seen it, but I, I, I know the picture. Yes, uh, I've seen that before. We'll tweet okay, it will out for Okay, will you text that listeners. to me? Yeah, so we can tweet it. I'll text it to you. I... And, and and he got memed on so hard for so long on like because that was like only a few years after he wrapped Harry Potter and then suddenly Dana Radcliffe is like in the street in like a bathrobe like waving two guns around. So if we want to get rated R with Paddington three, I think you should get the lovable boy who lived to <laughs> go into Paddington three, but he should be just a psycho. And I don't know what he wants. I think he's I would, like. I would love Daniel Radcliffe in Paddington Three. I don't want guns in the movie. I feel like guns should uh, stay out of this universe. Maybe Are there maybe, guns in the first two movies. Maybe, I don't think oh, so. you know, maybe Daniel Radcliffe can be like he's he's like an exotic pet collector or something because there also is a padding uh, not Paddington. Sorry, there's also a Daniel Radcliffe picture that got memed on where he's walking like ten dogs at once. So maybe he wants to add Paddington to like his <laughs> his dog collection. Um, I also take that back. There is a gun in the movie when Julie Walters almost shoots Hugh Grant to death but there's just a plunger but she does not know for a fact that there's a plunger in the gun she thinks there might be a bullet and shoots him right in the head wait literally though I think we overlooked no I'll tell you what I forgot about it but in the moment it really caught me yeah caught me off guard because like Hugh Grant warns her like oh that gun only throws plastic darts meanwhile i have a sword that's very sharp she's like oh does it and then shoot like she doesn't know for a fact that it does <laughs> i think she's been in prison before maybe <laughs> i julie walters also from the harry potter universe she's uh one of the best characters in the universe what's her face uh yeah she's molly in harry potter and she plays this uh you know helper for the browns here and then she also plays the in-house nanny and in, or not nanny but in Nanny McPhee, not Nanny McPhee, sorry, Mary Poppins. Too many oh, British nanny movies. Truly. In Mary Poppins, she's also, and I'm like, is Julie Walters sick of always playing the actress that's just like cleaning up after a family? <laughs> um, she's great in Mamma Mia, where she's not cleaning up after a family. So. so this is why in Paddington 3, she should go rogue and be like, I'm tired. Sorry, I'm just trying to make Paddington 3 as violent as possible. She should be like, I'm tired of cleaning your house, Browns. Me and Paddington are going to go on... A wild streak out in London. We're going to go crazy, two of us. And then they're going to encounter Daniel Radcliffe, who's also crazy. And he's going to be like, oh, my God, Julie Walters, my second mom from Harry Potter. Mom? Studio Canal, call me. Call me. I have ideas. For my Paddington 3 villain, I'm going to break the rules a little bit. But it, I think it's okay because Nicole Kidman already set the precedent. I'm going to mm-hmm. pick an Australian actress to play my villain. It's going to be Kate Blanchett. Ooh, great wow. villain. Great villain. Great overall actress. And I think we can tie in the Australian bit to it, right? The premise for Paddington 3 could be like Paddington goes down under, right? Kate Blanchett, it's like sort of has a Pinocchio <laughs> vibe. Kate Blanchett steals Paddington to be part of her traveling circus and takes him to Australia. Oh. So, she, you know, in the past films, but Paddington has get... kind of been in harm's way. Now she's just sort of stealing him for her own needs. 
And then it involves, like, the Browns having to fly across the world to get Paddington back. I like that because then we can also cast my girlfriend, Sarah Snook, from the Succession universe, who is also Australian and incredibly attractive. (laughs) Mm. And then it's just fun to then be like, all right, we're getting out of the, you know, the very tight-knit community of london and we're going to like places unknown we're going to australia and then, <laughs> the one and then sh- paddington four you involve taika oh. waititi and they go to new zealand he just <laughs> exactly. he, he, i think by the end of the franchise paddington should visit like every every country every well every like british ish country adjacent right? yeah precisely so i know like in general people get franchise fatigue but do you think they could make, like, eight of these Paddington movies and people would still be into them? I don't think so. Yeah. Where, where would you cap? I mean, I guess it depends on how Paddington 3 delivers. Uh, yeah, okay, well, here's the thing. If Paddington 3 is, like, as good as the first two, as long as they're still good as they come out, then I will, uh, yeah, I will consume as much Paddington as That's how I feel about me. the National Treasure movies. But- <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The National Treasure 3, I've been waiting my entire life for it. Like, because I like the first two so much, give me a third. And the minute that, like, one of their installments is just shit, then I go, okay, stop. <laughs> well, my concern with National uh, with Paddington, and Kate, you were kind of talking about this earlier before we started recording, is, like, how much could, how much can you have this earnest bear go around spreading kindness and joy before people kind of get sick of it? Like, sick of the shtick. You know what I mean? I get that. And just just to give context to what Shruti is kind of um, referencing, we were talking about how there's, like, there's this kind of usual format that movies and TV shows follow where your main protagonist is not perfect and grows and learns due to the supporting cast around them, right? Mm-hmm. But Paddington does not. He's already perfect, but the second he gets off the train in the first film, right? Like, the second they find him in Paddington Station, he's already, like, a perfect bear. And <laughs> has, like, this... No, like, truly. And he no, has, yeah, like, you're this, right. This upstanding personality, this, like, moral compass. He's kind to everyone he meets. There's a quote in the movie, in the second movie, where they go, Paddington... That's why everyone likes Paddington, because he makes... He, he finds the best in people wherever he goes, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, like, this kind of... There's this format that the most movies follow where everyone around Paddington is at their lowest and needs help, and Paddington is the one that brings them all up. And that's, I feel like that's so rare. Like, how many things can you guys list off the top of your heads that, like, do that? Um, the only other... We were, yeah, Sorry. Yeah. The, no, the only other thing that we were dis- also discussing before the podcast started recording is Ted Lasso, which is the same thing of this. Not that Ted Lasso is perfect. He's he's yeah. no Paddington. But uh, <laughs> season one of Ted Lasso is all of this. Everyone around me hate like is not kind and earnest, and my infectious personality is gonna make them love me. Yeah. Going into season two, when everyone already loves it Ted, changes. what do you do? So now you make you give Ted more baggage and kind of peel through that. In all of the Paddington movies. Paddington is already that character. So how many more and of these movies can you... I would actually love to see in the third movie. Because even in the second movie, he goes to prison. So like the first movie, he's trying to get like the Browns to love him, especially uh, Mr. Brown, who's like mm-hmm. kind of racist against bears, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, he is. And then the second movie, he goes to prison where like all of these 
people in prison are also like these gruff people that he softens. I would love to see a third movie where he's just around people that are already softened to him and see where they take that instead of just doing another movie where they soften people around him. You know what I mean? And like, I would love that. I just wonder if they would do that because this is like a children's franchise. And I think they probably want to keep with the whole like, Paddington is this just like this role model character and we want children to like be happy when they see you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. we don't want children to be sad that Paddington's going through like an emo phase or something I don't know No, I don't want Paddington to get upset or I just want I want to see a movie where the plot of the movie isn't Paddington making uh annoyed people happy I want to just keep the keep the happy people around and now do another premise instead of you know, I'm kind of not I'm not sick of it. Listen, I love the first two Paddington movies, but right. if the third movie was again, like he was another person that's cold and dark and we're going to make them happy. Like, OK, I'm over it, you know? Yeah, I think it worked really well the first two times. It'd be interesting to s- see how much longer they can maintain that. But I, I give them credit, though, for like, I feel like that's a hard format to write where like your m- main protagonist is already perfect And I give them so much credit for, like, how well they executed it in the first two films. I wish they could do it forever. I don't think they can. But kudos to the writers, though, for, like... You know... I feel like that's really hard to... That's really hard to accomplish. You know what would be really fun would be be to create, like, a top ten most perfect characters in film history. Perfect from the Mm, standpoint that they're, like, perfect... They're morally upstanding. Exactly. Not that they're like yeah. perfect for their role. I say the championship battle. Paddington versus Samwise Gamgee. Oh, oh Samwise Gamgee. I vote Y'all Samwise like, Gamgee. So and then here's the end of the two towers was... when he runs after Frodo. There's some hope so, in this the world, thing, but... Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. Oh. And he's perfect, but like even he's not like imagine if Samwise was Frodo. Do you know, imagine if they were, if Samwise was, like, the one task for all the responsibility, and he was the main, main focal point of the film, and then imagine if he was, like, so upstanding. You know what I mean? I would say... Harder harder to pull off, I Also, think. I think that, it, like, I'm, I'm reading Lord of the Rings for the first time, and a lot of Sam's inner monologues, especially in the Two Towers, so far, are how much he hates Gollum. And I don't mm-hmm. think Paddington, I think Paddington would find love in his heart for Gollum. Fair or point. Smeagol. Fair yes. point. He would find a way to like revert Gollum back to um, his former Hobbit self. <laughs> and then they would, then, you know, they would do, they would do like what they did in the prison where everyone was, was grabbing hands and, and, and swaying in circles in the prison. There, doing those there <laughs> truly are just so many Paddington crossovers it, it re- reminds me, have you guys seen the Twitter account where every single day yes. they just Photoshop Paddington into a new yes. movie? I, I sent it to Shruti a few weeks ago and I was like, look at this account. It's amazing. Uh, the, the person that does it, we'll, we'll tweet that too, is I, I don't understand how, like sometimes I can't even find Paddington. It looks like a still from the movie and then I see Paddington in the shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, Guys, I do want to bring up really quickly my favorite scene, I think, in the entire film, which is um, 
after Hugh Grant breaks into St. Paul's Cathedral and masquerades as the nun, you then have the Browns going to St. Paul's Cathedral being like, what did you see? And then there's this security guard there named Barry, who's actually one of the writers of the script. His name is Simon Farnaby. I was on patrol in the upper dome watching the nuns parade far below when something caught my eye. One of them broke free from the herd and made her way to the whispering gallery. Only the good Lord knows what she was doing up there. But she was never going to get away with it. Not while I'm vice deputy head of security. Oi! Attention all units, an unusually attractive nun is causing mayhem in the cathedral dome. Activate emergency protocol. Stop that stunning sister. I set off at lightning speed. But by the time we'd locked the place down, she'd vanished into the night. Good evening, my son. Oh, uh, good evening, Your Grace. Good evening. <sighs> Most beautiful woman I've seen in a long time. <sighs> Do you think you might be able to describe her? Literally, like, I it was dying. I was rewatching this and I forgot how funny that one guard was. Well, I, um, okay. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I love the recurring joke, right? Where he's like, it was an unusually attractive, attractive nun. In a, in a, and then he says, stop that stunning sister. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he does. And it, goes, uh -huh. and it goes back to the original Paddington, right? Where he, where Mr. Brown dressing up as the cleaning uh -huh. lady, uh, yeah. he has the same sort of vibe. I just, I don't really get it. Like, is both this and his attraction to uh, Mr. Brown in the first movie when he's dressed yeah. up as a woman. I'm like, is the joke, haha, he's attracted to this woman, but it's actually a man. Like, I, I think just, that's, I literally think like, that's, that's the joke. not funny, right? Like, it's, in 2021, that's not funny anymore. I don't see yeah. how that's humorous. Well, I mean, let's see if it's in Paddington 3, because it was yeah. 2014 and 2017. Oh, he will be, because he'll probably write the third one, too, yeah. and then he'll give himself the role of Barry again. But I just, it wasn't even, like, him being, like, attracted to Hugh Grant in a nun costume. I just thought he was just so funny. Like, just how he talked and him reenacting. I, it's I, very I, funny. And I think the accent really helps. Like, the accent of Stop yeah. That Stunning Sister is so funny. Super... But I was just confused at, like, what is this kid's movie trying to say about this man attracted to another man in women's clothes? You know? That's just fair. fair. Um, so Colin Firth was actually previously attached to voice Paddington. Ben Wisha, who now voices Paddington, wasn't actually attached until after some animation had begun. Um, the director of the Paddington movies, Paul King, said, I love Colin. We got on tremendously well. He came and worked with other actors, and I think he was tremendously helpful. But they kind of just got lost. I remember him struggling to find the voice. Voice he was saying, is it younger? Is it supposed to be more enthusiastic? And it slowly became clear that Paddington does not have to have the voice of a very older, handsome man who has the most beautiful voice on this planet. So he did compliment <laughs> Colin Firth, but was basically like, this isn't working, which I kind of agree with. I don't, I think Colin Firth would sound too old as Paddington. I do too. And I think Ben does a really good job. Like, like he, he toes this perfect line between 
okay, like, sophisticated British, because that's how, like, Paddington was raised, but then, like, this youthful energy of a, basically, like, a cub, like a bear, you know? Yeah, it was... Paul King said, if you told me Ben had been raised in the jungle by a fawn and a unicorn, I'd believe you. It makes him the perfect voice <laughs> for Paddington, which is like that encapsulates him perfectly. And he's got like this also this soft, wispy kind of quality to his voice where he's just like, oh, like, I'm Paddington. Nice. To... You know what I mean? <laughs> like, he's so like he's so mild mannered. And but then like, I don't know. I thought they cast him perfectly. Colin Firth. Like, it would have felt like an old like gentleman bear not like a young bear you know i mean it's tough to imagine without actually hearing and and seeing it part i mean part of me really wants to believe like it could work because i really like colin firth however you know inclined to believe the director on this one that he made the right choice i mean ben wishaw is awesome as paddington um you'd be hard pressed to find somebody to do it better but I, I mean, maybe, maybe you could get away with Colin Firth doing it. I would love to see Colin Firth in Paddington. I think he'd also be very effective as the yeah. dad, as Mr. Brown. I was going to say, I, I thought he could have been better, yeah, cast as Mr. Brown instead of Paddington. And then how hilarious would that be to have a scene? Not that I love Hugh Bonneville, like not that I'm dissing his performance. I thought he's great as Mr. Brown. How funny would it be if Colin Firth was the dad and then, like, he literally is dueling against Hugh Grant His and, like, Bridget throws Jones's a diary. Exactly. <laughs> throws a ball as he'll be like, that's for sleeping with my wife. Who like, is more of a villain, Hugh Grant in this movie or Hugh Grant in Bridget Jones's diary? Bridget Jones's diary. I agree. Because <laughs> he's, because in this one, in Paddington 2, like, yes, he does awful things to our poor Paddington. But he just wants his acting career back. <laughs> he just wants to be loved. And like and it's so nice to see him being loved in the prison after in the credit scene. But in Bridget Jones's diary, he's just a horrible prick who like sleeps with his friend's wife and then is super misogynistic and horrible to Bridget. So I agree. And then he's like, We should just settle for each other. <laughs> No, come on, gross. Bridge. Come on, Bridge. Yeah, he was he was slimy. Like I never thought that um, he was Phoenix Buchanan was like a slimy person. I thought he was hilarious and very dedicated to his cause. It, he, he did falsely incriminate a bear though, which kind of sucked. But you know, all can be forgiven. Paddington forgives everyone. I okay. One small nitpick. In the end of the movie, when Aunt Lucy shows up, she says, oh, Paddington, and hugs him. But Aunt Lucy wouldn't call him Paddington. She would call him by his real name, right? No, because he starts to sign, well, maybe, but he signs off, I believe, as Paddington in the letters that he's writing her. So she now knows him as Paddington. I guess. Why also, why can't she, like, at the beginning of the movie, right, they rescue this cub. And they're like, guess we're not moving to London after all. We have a bear to raise. Why? Why can't you just move to London with the bear? The bear ends up going to London anyway. Like, well, he's a baby cub who hasn't been taught the the manners of the civilized London. I just, I really, honestly, Aunt Lucy's story is such a tragic story because all she wanted to do was go to London and then she reroutes her entire plan because she gets this kid and then the kid goes to London. She's like, well, I guess I got to wait for a pop-up book. (laughs) But she goes to London in the end. I also didn't realize, like, I was kind of like, aren't the Browns, like, 
Am I wrong? Aren't the Browns, like, kind of wealthy? I mean, they live in what essentially is, like, Kensington, I think. That's what I'm guessing. Kensington is wealthy. So I'm like, how... And, like, Mr. Brown's, like, a risk analyst, like, guy. Like, I'm... I don't know how much money he makes, but I just thought they could pool together funds and fly her to London. I don't know why it took the entire neighborhood to be like, we got Aunt Lucy to London. He had to call in his old Air Force buddies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he'd call... Yeah. (laughs) Like, uh, but is it that hard to get... Like, and, like, Aunt Lucy is also civilized and can speak English. Can't Aunt Lucy just... And, like, no one's shocked by a bear being in London. So can't couldn't Aunt Lucy just go to, like, the nearest airport? She's 100 years just, old, like, Kate. That's a lot of travel for an old woman. <laughs> she needs special arrangements. Oh, no. But, again, you have to, you have to suspend reality yeah. in these films. So. I will say, very <laughs> heartwarming ending, but also, oh like, God. very abrupt. Like, it just, like, ended. It felt fast. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, it ends on that. Ho- I, like, I because I've seen this movie before, and I didn't remember that it, like, ends right when they get reunited, and that's it. I think in my head, I had been imagining the pop-up book sequence where they're, like, running through London. So I thought we actually oh. got to see Paddington and Aunt Lucy go through London together, but I guess not. But then in the credits, you do see, um, like, postage stamps and, like, pictures and stuff of them going around London, and they're in front of, like, Big Ben and the London Eye. So you do get that post-credit fulfillment of, like, oh, Paddington took Aunt Lucy around London. That's so cute. Um, I cry like a bitch every time. I hope hope Aunt Lucy is in Paddington 3, because if they sent her back to Darkest Peru, that would be really sad. What if she she dies? dies even sadder honestly they might want to kill her just so they don't have to cgi two bears like that's a lot of money (laughs) and that's how you get emo paddington in paddington (laughs) three and then that's how you have paddington run off with um julia waters and that's how uh daniel radcliffe comes in with his guns i don't know i'm trying to make it work studio can out call me listen i really like mike's julie uh, not julian um kate blanchett kate blanchett but the issue yeah. is I don't know if I could actually watch, sit through a movie without combusting if it had both Kate Blanchett and Sarah Snook. Oh, my God. Well, we don't we need Sarah Snook. We haven't casted Sarah Snook. That was your idea. Yeah. We don't need no, her. I want Sarah Snook. She's no Kate Blanchett. Y'all need to watch Ooh. Succession. I know. I know. You know what? I think you've told me on multiple podcasts this season. You need to watch Succession, Kate. I think well, it's recorded. There's recorded proof. <laughs> also, this is the third podcast in a row Mike has brought up Pinocchio, just say. Wow. Oh. Look at you keeping track. He also <laughs> indirectly brought up... Oh, he already brought up Lord of the Rings because he mentioned Samwise, but also Kate Blanchett. Well, Lord of the Rings <laughs> makes sense. Like, a lot of things in media relate back yes. to Lord of the Rings, but Pinocchio, I'm very impressed by. Face the facts, Pinocchio is the greatest Disney movie of all time. I will not... <laughs> Take no for an answer. I mean, Mulan, but okay. (laughs) Just like Paddington 2, this episode of Chaos on the Set is ending abruptly. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to follow me on Letterboxd at mricardi. You can follow me on Twitter at micromarate, and my Letterboxd is at shrutvimarate. You can follow me on Twitter at Kate Wyant. You can't follow me on Letterboxd. Mike told me that you guys aren't allowed to follow me there. <laughs> and um, you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Chaos on the Set. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Tune in next week.